Section 13 of Irish Fairy Tales by James Stevens. The Boyhood of Fionn. Chapter 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Fanno Jahangiri. Irish Fairy Tales by James Stevens. Fionn got his first training among women. There is no wonder in that, for it is the pup's mother teaches it to fight, and women know that fighting is a necessary art, although men pretend there are others that are better. These were their women druids, Baumal and Leah Lachra. It will be wondered why his own mother did not train him in the first natural savageries of existence, but she could not do it. She could not keep him with her for dread of the clan Morna. The sons of Morna had been fighting and intriguing for a long time to ooze her husband, Uail, from the captaincy of the Fianna of Ireland, and they had oosted him at last by killing him. It was the only way they could get rid of such a man, but it was not an easy way, for what Fionn's father did not know in arms could not be taught to him even by Morna. Still, the hound that can wait will catch a hare at last, and even Manenon sleeps. Fionn's mother was beautiful, long-haired Muirni, so she is always referred to. She was the daughter of Teigi, the son of Nuada from Fairy, and her mother was Ethlin, that is, her brother was Luke of the Long Hand himself, and with a god and such a god for brother we may marvel that she could have been in dread of mona or his sons or of anyone but women have a strange loves strange fears and these are so bound up with one another that the thing which is presented to us is not often the thing that is to be seen however it may be when wal died morni got married again to the king of Kerry. She gave the child to Baumal and Lialachra to rear, and we may be sure that she gave injunctions with him and many of them. The youngster was brought to the woods of Sleeve Bloom and was nursed there in secret. It is likely the women were fond of him, for other than Fionn, there was no life about them. He would be their life and their eyes may have seemed as twin benedictions resting on the small fairhead. He was fair-haired and it was for his fairness that he was afterwards called Fionn. But at this period he was known as Daimni. They saw the food they put into his little frame reproduce itself lengthways and sideways in tough inches, and in springs and energies that crawled at first and then toddled and then ran. He had birds for playmates, but all the creatures that live in a wood must have been his comrades. There would have been for little few long hours of lonely sunshine, when the world seemed just sunshine and sky. There would have been hours as long, when existence passed like a shade among shadows, in the paths narrow enough to be filled by his own small feet or the goats, and he would have wondered where they went, and have marveled again to find that, wherever they went, they came at last, through loops and twists of the branchy wood, to his own door. He may have thought of his own door as the beginning and an end of the world, whence all things went and whither all things came. Perhaps he did not see the lark for a long time, but he would have heard him, 
far out of sight in the endless sky, thrilling and thrilling until the world seemed to have no other sound but that clear sweetness, and what a world it was to make that sound. Whistles and chirps, coos and cows and crocks would have grown familiar to him, and he could at last have told which brother of the great brotherhood was making the noise he heard at any moment. The wind, too, he would have listened to its thousand voices as it moved in all seasons and in all moods. Perhaps a horse would stray into the thick screen about his home and would look as solemnly on Fionn as Fionn did on it. Or, coming suddenly on him, the horse might stare, all the cock with eyes and ears and nose, one long-drawn facial extension, ere he turned and bounded away with manes all over him and hoops all under him and tails all round him. A solemn-nosed, stern-eyed cow would amble and stamp in his wood to find a flightless shadow, or a straight sheep would poke its gentle muzzle through leaves. A boy, he might think, as he stared on a staring horse. A boy cannot back his tail to keep the flies off. And that lack may have saddened him. He may have thought that a cow can snort and be dignified at the one moment, and that timidity is calmly in a sheep. He would have scolded the jackdaw, and tried to outwhistle the throstle, and wondered why his pipe got tired when the blackbirds didn't. There would be flies to be watched, slender atoms in yellow gauze that flew, and filmy specks that flittered, and sturdy thick-ribbed brutes that pounced like cats, and bit like dogs, and flew like lightning. He may have moaned for the spider in bad luck who caught that fly. There would be much to see and remember and compare, and there would be always his two guardians. The flies change from second to second. One cannot tell if this bird is a visitor or an inhabitant, and a sheep is just sister to a sheep, but the women were as rooted as the house itself. End of chapter 1 Recording by Fano Jahangiri